Please take your Bibles to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25, and we'll read the entire chapter uh, together to start the preaching portion of our worship gathering. Exodus 25 and verse 1, the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they may take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive contribution from me. This is the contribution that you shall receive from them, gold and silver and bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, yarn, fine, twined linen, goat's hair, tanned, ram's skin, goat skin, acacia wood, oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of its furniture, so you shall make it. They shall make an ark of acacia wood, two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold, inside and outside shall you overlay it. You shall make on it a molding of gold around it. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them on its four feet. Two rings on the one side of it, two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put the poles into the rings on the side of the ark to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken out of it. You shall put onto the ark the, into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work shall you make them, and the two ends on the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherubim on the one end, and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim shall spread their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the face of the cherubim be. You shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I have given you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherub that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. You shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold around it. You shall make a rim around it, a handbreadth wide, and the molding of gold around the rim. You shall make for it four rings of gold and fasten the rings to the four corners of its four legs. Close to the frame the rings shall lie, as holding for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. The table shall be carried with these. You shall make its plates and its dishes for incense. 
and its flagons and bowls with which you pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold. You shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. You shall make a lampstand of pure gold. A lampstand shall be made of hammered work. Its base, its stem, its cups, its calyxes, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. There shall be six branches going out of its side, three branches of the lampstand out of one side of it, and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side of it. Three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flowers. On one branch, three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flowers. The other branch, so for the six branches going out of the lamp, there shall be four cups made like almond branches with the calyxes and flowers. And the calyx of one piece with it under each pair of the six branches going out from the lampstand. Their calyxes and their branches shall be of one piece with it. The whole of it, a single piece of hammered work of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it, and the lamps shall be set up as to give light to the space in front of it. Its tongs and its trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made with all these utensils out of the talents of pure gold. And see that you make them after the pattern for them which is being shown you on the mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Let he add his blessing to its reading. You can be seated. Children, you can be dismissed to Children's Church if you'd like. We are studying through Exodus, and we are here in chapter 25. And I'm reminded, as I read a chapter like this, that God is delivering his people from bondage to Eden. God has rescued his people from Egypt in their captivity, and he is delivering them to Eden. I understand that their face is set toward the promised land of Canaan. However, that is not the destination, ultimately, that God's leading his people. That is not the conclusion of God's providence to his people. This chapter reminds me that God is leading his people ultimately to himself, which is Eden redeemed. Eden as the temple. Eden and this as a temple modeled after the one that is in heaven. So we come today again to these terms of the covenant. And we find that God desires that the people worship him presently with him. So in chapter 24, we saw that the nature of the covenant would be a worship covenant. In chapter 5, we find the way of worship. You'll remember, and I, I want to say this regularly, I don't want us to forget, that there are three parts of the law. And we have studied two of them already, and now we're setting out into the third one. There are three parts of the law. There is the moral law, and we study that. We know that as the Ten Commands. There is the civil law. That was all the instruction that we took time to walk through about how to deal with a neighbor or an employee. That was the civil law. And now here we start in what's known as the ceremonial law. 
How will God be interacted with by the people? So we have seen in chapter 20 already, the moral law, 20 through 23, the civil law, chapter 24, a transition chapter that helped explain to us the nature of the thing. Now, from chapter 25 to chapter 31, we're going to study God's instruction about ceremony. So, we have already seen that the nature of this covenant is a worship covenant. I think that's important for us. I think it's important for us not to look at the new covenant and the old covenant and say, well, that old covenant was a totally different thing. It doesn't really matter. Why are we even studying the book of Exodus? It matters because at the heart of that covenant was the same zeal as the heart of the new covenant. It is to worship the Lord our God. Now in chapter 25, we start to get detailed instruction about how worship would be done by the priests and Levites. The first step in organizing this worship, this ceremonial law, is to give them a place. So he starts describing what we know as the tabernacle. You heard me say a moment ago, uh, no, I'm going to get ahead of myself. He starts by giving them instruction about building a tabernacle. The question is, according to 1 Kings 8.27, what do we do with the fact that God says, put a place up and I'll be there? Because 1 Kings 8.27 says, will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heavens cannot contain God. How much less could a house built contain God? That, that's a legitimate question, especially considering all this detailed information that people are going to get about building a house for God. So why a tabernacle or temple? God has typically ordained the use of significant location where he would meet with his people. I said a moment ago, Eden was one of those temples. Eden was a temple where God would come and meet with his people. Josh and I were talking this week, and he pointed out that it seems like water flows from Eden, which would seem to indicate that Eden was an elevated place, which might lead us to understand something about Eden as a temple. The text we're in right now is Sinai, an elevated place where God is meeting uniquely with his people. We get to Mount Jerusalem. We get to the Mount of Transfiguration. God meets significantly there with his people we we could we could imagine we could picture mount calvary where god meets with his people through christ and then we're told in places like ephesians that we are being built up as a temple to our god we individually the redeemed people of god the ransomed the regenerate the followers of Christ, are being built into a temple for our God. So the question is, in light of all of that, why is he giving them these instructions for a temple? The historical significance of the temples. Let's just use, let's just use these two. The tabernacle in the wilderness and the temple eventually in Jerusalem. Let's just use these two. It's important for us to see that the significance of the temples pale in comparison to something more important. It's very important for us to see that. The most vivid example 
of this world would be the introduction of the Olivet Discourse. 